0: Hey, listeners, welcome to Confessions from a Therapist, where we will not be spilling the tea on clients, but we'll be giving you an inside look into the world of therapy. So sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show.
1: Please remember this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. Please seek services if you need, as this is not a therapeutic relationship or a substitute for your own therapy. If you're in crisis and need immediate assistance, please call 911. Hope you enjoy the episode.
0: On today's episode, we'll be exploring the different stigmas in regard to mental health and therapeutic services. Really quick, before we jump into that, let's just check in with each other. So, Michelle, how have you been for the last week?
1: I have been... How have I been? (laughs) (laughs) I would say busy. um, In like an overwhelmed type of busy, we... I don't know. So there is a whole like COVID thing over Christmas, right? We've been doing mm. like pickup up Christmases. Um, so we have an abundance of toys everywhere. Just just lots of things, right?
0: A lot of gifts from people for the a little one? A
1: lot of gifts, yes. For the babe. And there's just a lot of stuff everywhere. So I feel <laughs> like the last week I've been trying to figure out how can I organize all this stuff and fit all this stuff in a way that will not make us crazy mm-hmm. every single day. Just looking at the amount of stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, not being a parent. Like it's like, I'm literally thinking about it right now. Cause I'm like, uh, that sounds so overwhelming.
1: It, it, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of just stuff and stuff that doesn't stay in its place. Right. Cause she uses it. So it ends up all over. And so, getting into now like a routine of us helping her like clean it up right when she's done and having places to put things where right now there's so much I don't even know (laughs) so it's like I'm in the process of decluttering all of our Mm -hmm. stuff to make more room for her stuff which is just overwhelming like my mind's always thinking about it
0: yeah As as you're talking about it, your eyes are, like, looking around the room. So, I can see you just kind of scanning, like, all this stuff. You're, like, I need to clean. I need to put that away. I need to organize.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, story of my life, basically. It's just, like, how can I clean up her her stuff more? Yeah. (laughs) But she's getting old enough now to where she can help. Um, But sometimes in the cleanup process, she rediscovers something interesting. Mm. So then it's like, oh, I don't want to put this away now. Cause I like just saw it again and it's fun. Like let's play with it. So it's a learning curve.
0: Yeah. It's a whole new learning curve.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's been going on with you? How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. Just working, you know, kind of keeping my practice going and all the stuff that comes with that. So I know that it's tax season. So I got to look at all those taxes and got to get everything prepared for that. And oh. then I know it's my first time too. So I, you know, as I, what I was saying before, like I just opened my practice last year. So it's my first time kind of like looking at all those things. Cause I was so used to being in an agency job where taxes were already taken out. So mm-hmm. good thing. I was kind of like putting away some stuff for it. Cause I don't know what to prepare myself for. So we're <laughs> going to see <laughs> uh, other than that, things have been pretty good. My partner and I are just still kind of Being busy, Mm -hmm. just navigating both of our friendships and families and just kind of spending time doing those kinds of things and wanting a break (laughs) from a little bit of work. (laughs) I'm like, I want to sit down on the couch and just watch TV or, you know, I, I play video games. So I'm like, or play a video game or something like that, you know, just to relax. But things have been pretty good. Cooking more kind of staying on top of that going to the gym and cooking more because nice. I did not do any of that but I have a funny story about we haven't cooked this like a half of last week and like just yesterday um our garbage disposal because I accidentally put too much stuff down the garbage disposal because <laughs> I'm a bad cook I do not yeah. know how to cook I need to learn I could cook easy stuff like hamburger helper or like yeah. you know mashed potatoes just easy things but like like that gourmet stuff that he likes to cook and knows how to cook. I'm like, what do you want me to do? So <laughs> I was cooking something, put it down the garbage disposal and it just took forever to fix. And it was like a hassle. So we finally got it. It's fixed as of yesterday. So now we can get back to cooking. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's um, that's funny. We've been trying to cook more at home because I think like pandemic life just got us in a routine of, look, she she almost she almost fell off the couch (laughs) pandemic life got us into the sort of routine of like ordering out a lot yeah and we're just like no we need to cook food here I would end up cooking anyways because I have to feed the baby we would just end up eating something that I didn't cook yeah um so yeah we've been trying to cook more I'm currently trying to work my way through a cookbook. I was like, well, maybe if I do that, it'll be easier.
0: That's what somebody told me to do. We were meeting with Jason's friends on Saturday and I was telling them, I'm like, I'm a terrible cook. I need to figure out what I can do to be a better cook. And I asked their opinion. I said, do you think having a cookbook would help? And they're like, oh my God. Yeah. Like we all have cookbooks. And I'm like, oh, I guess I've been missing out this whole time. Like, I guess I just didn't know (laughs) that it was a thing.
1: Yeah. Well we I found one and it's actually like very simple. Well actually, yeah, we've cooked quite a few recipes out of it now. Um I don't remember. It's called vegan sometimes oh. or something. Okay. Something like it's a plant-based cookbook, but it's really like simple, easy recipes. Um, because I think my husband's like you. Cooking stresses him out. So it has to be something that's very easy. And I was like, we just like go through this. We don't have to worry about planning what we're going to make, like finding the recipes. Mm -hmm. Right. We'll just like follow through a book. Yeah. They'll give you the directions and then we'll see if we like them and then they can become like part of our rotation if we really like it.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think that's what I'm going to do. So I'll have to look into getting a cookbook. So,
1: yeah. Well, that will be its whole other journey.
0: Yes, it will. I said, well, one, one of many journeys in the life that we live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess we can jump into today's topic, which is just stigma surrounding therapy. Yeah. Um, so when I was kind of like I talked about last episode where I kind of like gave a definition um, at the beginning of like therapy. Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, I looked up what the definition of stigma is because I was like, well, I think it'd be helpful for our listeners to kind of maybe know that if they aren't familiar with it. Yeah. And so when I looked it up, they said the definition of stigma is a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person.
1: Well, that's bleak.
0: It's very bleak. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes sense because when I think about it, You know what with our topic today which is you know the disgrace surrounding therapy we live in a different world now you know that it's 2022 and with you know the whole pandemic that mental health is now it's seen more than it has in the past but for a long time therapy was like taboo it wasn't really talked about like mental health wasn't really talked about at all and i still get clients today that'll come into sessions and I like to take like a family history Mm -hmm. of like mental health and things. And a lot of them will say like, I don't know because it was never talked about.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that that's one thing that is much, like you said, it's just, it's happening much more. It's become more normalized to at least admit that like mental health exists. Mm -hmm. I feel like previously, Like people wouldn't even say that that was a thing, right? Yeah. Um, Where now people are talking about it a little bit more, even if there's, even if therapy for them is still very like stigmatized, but sort of talking about how you're doing, I think is, you know, a little bit more mainstream, like Instagram probably helped with that
0: hmm. When you say talking about how you're doing, you mean just kind of being like, everything's fine, everything good or
1: more of like, I'm struggling.
0: Uh, so just kind of be more vulnerable.
1: Yeah, I think mm-hmm. people are slightly more open to just saying, like, I'm having a hard time, mm-hmm. even if they don't go into detail about that. Um, but I think before, like, you know, it, it's it had to be this sort of like keeping up with the Joneses picturesque Mm -hmm. life where like your life was in shambles, but you know, you smiled and you kept going. Mm -hmm. Um, I think now people are a little bit more like they will be a little bit more vulnerable and like real, especially, I think through the pandemic, like people will admit that they're struggling.
0: Uh, Yeah. And I think that's something too. And I, you know, one of the things about the pandemic was that it was a shared experience with everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody had, Almost the same thing going on where we were um, quarantined. We had to stay indoors. We couldn't do certain things. We couldn't see people we loved, you know, in person. And we, we, you and I both know how much like in person connection is important for our lives. And we had to kind of just keep away from that. And so I think that because of that collective experience, when somebody could say, "I'm struggling." other people could empathize and sympathize with that where they're like, yes, I see that. I understand that. And it became more of like this shared compassion. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that kind of helped build upon just creating this more safe, non-stigmatized response to mental health and therapy in general, because I think that, you know, working as a therapist right now in the central Valley, like we're all kind of, What's the word I'm trying to think of? There's a like a wait list.
1: Yeah, like inundated.
0: Yes, and yeah. it's you know so many people are trying to seek out therapy right now that not there's not a lot of therapists to accommodate the needs of the population
2: mm-hmm. that we
0: serve right now. And so when I think about it, I'm like, there's just this collective experience of people saying like, no, it's a, it's okay, I can do this. I can seek out therapy. I can get the help that I need, whatever it may be. I'm noticing a little bit more of a shift and a change than opposed to how I grew up younger. Mm -hmm. And also when I was in grad school, like talking about, you know, like the uncomfortableness of going and like, Oh, I don't know. Like even therapists being like, I don't know, I don't really need to go to therapy because this, or because of that. Um, And just kind of noticing the stigmas just there growing up and, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and to where we are now, like there's just been a shift, a huge shift.
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's kind of multiple parts to that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like culturally, right. Depending on your family.
0: That's a um, huge one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Culturally, depending on your family, what they think about it, like, you know, it's, that i think for a lot of people is a huge barrier different communities right have different stigma in terms of talking with people or just a mistrust of sharing um and i like how you brought up even therapists because it's true we were all told multiple times like get your own therapist get your own therapist and for me at least it wasn't until i was like losing it (laughs) i felt Right where I was, like I have no other choice. I have, you know, I I need help. Yeah, I need some extra support. That then I was like, you know, Michelle, put the uncomfortableness of it, of knowing that you're gonna have to be that vulnerable, like aside, and just like do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was I was already like a working therapist, <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: like, and I'm I remember for mine too. I went to therapy before. Grad school. Mm -hmm. And that was that one experience I told you that it it was like it was a good experience. And yet I, you know, did not return to that therapist for reasons I'll talk about in or later episodes. Yeah. Um, but even when I was in grad school and it was encouraged for us to go to therapy, I didn't even seek out therapy either because I kept telling myself, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I want to be vulnerable and talk about these certain things or What are they going to think about me if I kind of share these experiences? And so like one of the things that I wanted to bring up in this episode too is like the different types of like stigmas that we have, like you brought up one of them, like the cultural stigma that we have, you know, what, what was within our culture, what is acceptable and what's not acceptable when it comes to mental health and therapy, there's also like that self-stigma. Mm -hmm. like that, that the ones that we place on ourselves. And so I know that I struggled with a lot of that, where it was like, you know, I don't know, how am I going to be viewed? If I share this information with my therapist, or how am I going to be viewed? If I tell people I struggle with depression or anxiety, or I have my own trauma or things like that, what are other people going to view about me in that? But also, Mm -hmm. how do I view myself? Like, what's the stigma with that? Like, if And I'm talking about in general too. So not just me, but I'm saying like, if I tell myself I have anxiety, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, or if I have depression, what does that mean? Like, oh, I'm not good enough or something's wrong with me. So there is also that self stigma that I think plays a huge part in what keeps people from sometimes seeking out services.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. I know a lot of people that, you know, they're talking to me about whatever, right? Some life happening that's going on. And I mentioned like, you know, you should like see a therapist, right? In a very sort of, this would be so great to like explore, right? So you've already been exploring some, having somebody else to help you explore, right? That would be really awesome. And a lot of the time it's like, oh no, I can deal with it by myself. Mm -hmm. Right. This sort of like, I guess like pride around, I'm not weak, right? Like I can figure out my own stuff. Or uh-huh. there's also the, what comes a lot, especially, you know, like in my family, right? Like a Mexican-American, older, right? Like my grandparents sort of stuff.
2: Uh-huh. It's
1: like, well, but like, you're not the C word, right? You're not crazy. right? you need to see somebody um, or talk to somebody about what's going on? and that i feel like that comes up very often when i'm talking to people it's just this Mm -hmm. i for me i feel like it's a misunderstanding what therapy is right because like back in my grandparents day therapy was literally like you got sent away right to like an institution sort of thing um and now it's a very different experience it it's just so interesting, right? To see people with their preconceived notions of like what needing help actually means for them. You know, like it means there's something really wrong with me if I need help, or it's like, well, I'm not weak, right? I can take care of things by myself.
0: Yeah, there's, there's like this. Of, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. I'll say there's a lot of like shame.
1: Yeah, a lot of. Shame. That. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And the shame that society and our culture sometimes and our families place on us, but also like the internalized shame that we experience when it comes to admitting that we do have these internal battles with mental health or like our own inner struggles. So I think that the, the biggest component for me is like this idea of just like the shame around it, just yeah. the shame of therapy, the shame of sh- having a mental health, you know, diagnosis mm-hmm. or things like that.
1: hmm definitely like for you as a male do you think that there's like an added sort of shame that comes along with that because right mm-hmm. like guys are supposed to be tough and like not show emotions and not do things like that
0: yeah i think that that plays a huge part in it sometimes and oftentimes i'll see a lot of like male clients they'll come in and they'll say like you know in my family dynamic there was you know, you, we can't talk about our emotions. We can't talk about our feelings. Like guys just kind of held it in and they did what they needed to do. And there is this kind of, you know, misconceived notion that vulnerability is weakness. And this plays a part in a lot of people, but, you know, with men too, and in our society, it's like you, we are told to be viewed as strong and independent and that we have our stuff together pretty much. Mm -hmm. So when we admit our vulnerabilities, what is that? Create within us sometimes, and it sometimes it does create this internalized shame, but also creates shame within our cultural setting or our society setting too, where you know people see us now as like weaker than. Mm-hmm. And then I think culture also plays a part a lot on men as well. So like you know, um, for for example, like I might see um, a Latinx male. In session and they'll say like they grew up very machismo you know mm-hmm. and that's that's such a hard thing to work through because it, culturally that's what they were taught and so it's a very kind of um, uh, gentle topic in the mm-hmm. session but at the same time how do I you know how do they feel comfortable with having this still cultural part of their life and at the same time still be vulnerable you know what is the idea that they can create there so there is a lot of stigma surrounding like men and therapy and being vulnerable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One too. There's also a lack of male therapists.
0: Yeah. There are those lack of male therapists and there's a lack of male supervisors too at agency jobs I've noticed. And it's just like, there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of trying to think of the word. Like there's just not a lot of like male presence in that, that can feel comfortable for for men. And I get a lot of men therapists who sometimes say they feel more comfortable seeing female therapists because Mm. I think that they, I don't know, I, maybe they feel uncomfortable. And I've had some people say, where they just, they feel uncomfortable being vulnerable with another
2: male male.
0: yeah, yeah, in the room. And it's just like, then that, that becomes almost like, how do you view me? If I tell you about my weaknesses and my vulnerabilities, like, oh, like what is this dynamic now? And so I get a lot of men who will say, I would rather see a female therapist, because I feel like they can identify my emotions better, or they can tell me how I'm, you know, like help me process through these things with more of a gentle approach. And so there is this almost stigma too, with male therapists of like, they can't go deep. They don't understand emotions. They don't, um, they're not nurturing. They're not comforting. And so we, there is also that dynamic too, not just being like a male client in the room, but also the male therapists. We also have the stigma of like, eh, like they're probably not as good as a female therapist because men don't know emotions. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't understand that. So I have gotten that a lot too from both male clients and female clients where I'll see them for the very first session. And, you know, sometimes they'll be like, you know, I, I really wanted to, you know, meet with um, a female therapist, but everybody was full. So I thought I would go here. We'll see how it goes because I don't know how well you connect with emotions. I actually had somebody tell me that one time. Really? Yeah. Like a, 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 a where they were saying how, let's see how well you can connect to emotions to see if I'm more comfortable seeing a male therapist. And I was like, oh, okay. No <laughs> yeah, no pressure. I'm <laughs> like, all right, well, I guess we'll kind of see what I'm doing here. Let's <laughs> see, yeah. see if my degree, I can put it to use. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's so interesting. It's such, um, because maybe me as a female clinician, I've almost heard like the opposite. Mm. Um like male clients or just even people in my life that have asked me for like therapist recommendations, um, who are male. Like when I asked them, like, would you want a female or a male? Most of the time they respond that they would want a male therapist. Um, I think some of it has been that they wouldn't feel comfortable, like being vulnerable in front of a female therapists, like they don't want to put their problems on her almost right like this rescuing sort of thing
0: that's a good point yeah
1: yeah or two, it's like well you know a female therapist probably couldn't understand like my male issues mm-hmm. I want someone who can like understand what I'm going through so it's interesting that we've gotten like different responses from people
0: yeah when I was at an agency job for a while we you know as a male therapist we got all like the teenage male clients Mm -hmm. oftentimes which is fine I think that that the teenage male client would what I noticed they would rather work with a male therapist anyways because they just have that you know I think a teenage boy with like a female therapist might feel a little uncomfortable Mm -hmm. I've noticed it in my private practice that a lot of um clients I wouldn't say a lot, I would say maybe less than half will say they would prefer a female therapist, you know, and really just kind of making it a safe place is really what's important. And I've noticed that just kind of doing that and just being myself, genuine self, you know, usually helped clients feel just comfortable and they're like, oh yeah, we get, you know, this is completely fine. Yeah. yeah, There is that I've noticed that there is a lot of that dynamic sometimes Mm -hmm. or that shift.
1: When. Too, it's like even just the stigma of like mm-hmm. what a male therapist can provide versus what a female therapist can provide. Mm-hmm. It's just very, it's very interesting, right? Because that is daddy. Yeah, because <laughs> 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 we only see half of the. You know, I only see what people are willing to tell me about the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh or how what their feelings dad, dad. are. Yeah, dad. 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 Yeah. Is um, dad
0: calling on the phone? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Text. <sighs> um, yeah. So she's like, what? <laughs> um yeah, so it it's interesting, I think. When it comes to like societal stigma. Mm-hmm. What I hear a lot, like, is people saying things like, well, it's not a big deal, right? You'll get over it. Like when someone then goes to someone that they trust, like, hey, I'm thinking about getting help. Like the feedback that sometimes people get is pretty negative in terms of like, well, why would you even go? Why do you even need a therapist? Why, you know, get over your issues, basically deal with them yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge in society where people will have these negative attitudes towards somebody just expressing wanting to go to therapy or possibly struggling with a mental health disorder. You know, you get a lot of people and it it just really kind of depends on how they were raised like growing up, but also like just the time also because, you know, like we said that it shifted as the years kind of goes. Um, but oftentimes you, yeah, you'll get people saying like, kind of just get over it or don't even talk about it. Like if you don't think about it or talk about it, it'll just go away. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, are you crazy? Are you okay? Is everything fine? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Um, I get this a lot with clients sometimes when they have a lot of like shame towards, um, their own religion beliefs or Mm -hmm. religious beliefs where those, you know, family members or people would just like, just pray and it'll get better. And so people oftentimes will say like, I don't really need to go to therapy or things like that because that's what I was told to do. Um, so yeah, like society just placed a lot of like negative beliefs or perceptions on it as well because of just their, their comments sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that really adds to that shame, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm, if someone's been vulnerable enough to tell somebody, right. Like I'm having a hard time. I think I need help. And then to receive feedback like that can only add to the amount of shame that they're feeling.
0: Yeah. it Like that self stigma then. Right. So it feeds into that piece. So we have like society stigma or cultural stigma playing a huge part. And then it kind of just manifests and feeds into that self stigma that, you know, increasing that internalized shame again. And what that does is just pushes people further away from self-expression or a sense of autonomy and how to like,
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. lay
0: <laughs> she's like I agree <laughs> Yeah, you
2: agree huh. <laughs> yeah.
0: and and I think about it too like when I think about
2: mm-hmm. stigma
0: related to mental health and therapy I think about how it's depicted even in movies yeah and tv shows and one of the things i when i was like reading about stigma too is like even halloween costumes Mm -hmm. so oftentimes they depict people with mental health illness as like violent or aggressive
1: yeah well i think that's what that's yeah well that's how it's depicted a lot of the time that i think somebody right who is having an issue with their mental health, it's like they've like lost it completely, right? Have like no control over anything at all, Um, which really is not true, right? There's different mental health in itself, right? Is just how are you as a person like functioning? Mm -hmm. the same as like we each have individual physical health uh, but that's so much easier for people to understand I think because just you know it's normal to go to the doctor if you have a cold right or if you're not feeling good we already have it set up to where like every year you just go and like get things checked Um, but with your mental health and your emotional health that's not how it's seen at all. It's not seen as something that's just part of everyone's life um, that sometimes you need more help with and sometimes you don't. It's seen as this, you know, you've lost all ability, right? To take care of yourself and manage anything. Um, That's, you know, those are the only people that actually need help, which is not, it was just like furthest from the truth in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree on that. And oftentimes I think too, the way that it's expressed or portrayed in like movies or TV shows or all that kind of thing, all that stuff is, you know, the lack of research that sometimes people do Mm
2: -hmm. on like
0: what the mental health disorder looks like or illness looks like or what it can be, because oftentimes they want it for, you know, the dramatic effect. And, but what that does sometimes is lead to a stigma and a false misrepresentation of what that actually looks like Mm -hmm. in a person. So even if like, somebody was watching, you know, something and they're like, oh, that person struggles with depression, and they're doing all these things that person might then think to themselves, like, I don't do those things, but what if I do or I can't tell anybody about those? Or if I tell somebody I'm depressed, they'll think that I'm like this person or they'll think that I'm, you know, it looks like this, but it doesn't actually look like that. Mm -hmm. And so it just plays a huge part on on the stigma aspect of it.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) One of the things that I think of, too, is like how often. in well, I use the word DSM. (laughs) But that's pretty much just, you know, people who are listening that that's just like our therapy Bible. It just has every single diagnosis in it and what we diagnose people with. Um, It's always changing. Mm -hmm. and Things are always being added and things are always being taken out. So oftentimes people will like associate and it does depending on like the time that you are around they'll associate certain things as, you know, mental health disorders, but they're actually not anymore. You know, as we kind of grow as a society, we start to look through it and we say, you know, these, these aren't necessarily mental health disorders. These are just a person being a person. So like an example would be like, you know, back in the day, like we thought of homosexuality as a mental health disorder. And a lot of people were getting therapy services to help kind of like get rid of that. But as a society, we've learned that that's not, that's not something that is a mental health disorder at all. Yeah. You know? And so like, even now today, you'll get people in a different, from a different generation who will say like, oh, like that's a mental health disorder. Like you Mm -hmm. need to go get help for that. And yet it's like, no, that's a person being authentic and who they are. And those two are not related at all. Mm -hmm. And so I think this creates this also the stigma of like you know, receiving therapy or our mental health, because just things change over time. Yeah. And people are stuck in their ways.
1: Mm hmm. One, two, as a clinician, right, that has to use the DSM. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Has mm-hmm. to use the DSM, right, for billing and other purposes, right? Um, there's I think even being labeled with one of those sometimes, right, mm-hmm. is very shame filled and then has some repercussions a little bit. I, I've seen that a lot for kids. <laughs> she, she's very talkative today.
0: Oh, uh, she says. Sure
1: yeah. I've seen that a lot for kids. Um, children in the DSM diagnoses diagnosis for children, there's not very many. Um, a lot of people who aren't trained specifically to work with children, like the nuances of a child with depression are very different than an adult, right? Or a teen with depression. And a lot of the time, a school gets this information from a, the parent, right? And I've seen where that can be in. So they need a diagnosis to get help from the school, but because they have a diagnosis and the school views them a certain way. um, You know, and then through probably unconscious bias of their own, then starts to treat them in a different capacity. And that's something that, bothers me that bothered me while i when i was working with that population that i almost don't want i almost don't you know don't don't tell them right like just don't don't let them know you really have to weigh the risks and rewards of so if i share this what's the school or whoever right is working with the child what are they going to start thinking of them then like one, oh my goodness, one that's very um, predominant. I know, I'm gonna put you down, hold on, hold on. (laughs) One that's very predominantly used um, is, oh, I know, you wanna come back up. Okay, come here, (laughs) (laughs) right? is like ODD, right? Oh yeah. Oppositional defiant disorder and what, you know, a person who doesn't actually know what that is, or maybe why, right? Why behaviors that would link with that diagnosis um, come to be, see that and they're like, oh my gosh, this kid is like defiant.
0: Yeah. Super bad.
1: Super bad. Right. Like they are not going to listen, right? They are oppositional. Like there's going to tell me no all the time. Great. I'm really in for it. Um, and so often I've seen those kids then labeled as like bad kids, and then you labeled somebody as bad. And so now they're reacting, you know, they're tiny and they're reacting in certain ways because now people are treating them certain ways, which to me, like that just is such an example of like what stigma looks like in action, Mm -hmm. right? In society, even for our, our tiniest of people.
0: Yeah, it creates, it already creates this internalized shame at such a young age.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's always for me been so sad to see happen. And even, you know, as an advocate trying to be like, well, let me, let me explain to you, right? Let me like provide some education around what this even means around why this even is maybe coming up. Um, that's been a real struggle. People, you know, that sort of stigma of what this means, right? If you have a diagnosis, that it must be lifelong, forever, right? Like, this is sort of like your personal stamp, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, which is, it's hard to watch happen.
0: Yeah. So I think one of the, the things I guess to really close out on or that I can think of is how do we create less stigma around the idea of mental health and therapy. And I think a part of it is just being a little bit more compassionate toward those who are struggling, mm-hmm. just offering a little bit more compassion. Sometimes just saying the words like, yeah, I can see that. Or I understand mm-hmm. does more than saying, how do you, you know, like, how can we help you get over it? Or like, Oh, I don't know. You know, cause then it's like taking a pause and reflecting on what is it about them seeking those services out or wanting those things that feels uncomfortable within you, yeah, you know. And I think that's 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 a huge thing too, is like a self reflection.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think to people just being more honest about what's going on with you, yeah, you know, like so often when you get asked, "Oh, how are you doing?" "Oh, fine." Right. How's your week been? It's been good. Really? Every week is fine and good? I, I would beg to differ. Yeah.
0: Right?
1: Because we're all people. Yes, we're yeah. all people. Huh?
0: He understood have, the assignment. Yeah.
1: We had emotions.
0: Which yeah. is that too, you made a good point. Like when we say fine and good, those aren't emotions. We're not expressing how we feel. We're only identifying like a situation
1: exactly right and and so just being more open with that with people that are safe and that you trust Mm
2: -hmm. you
1: know like just being real about i had a hard week right like or today was hard you know Mm -hmm. i made a fruit plate and it got thrown on the floor (laughs) i was like what's happening right like just be everyone i think just working a little bit on on being a little bit more vulnerable again, with trusted people that you find safe. Not everyone deserves your vulnerability. Yes. Um, but just working on that, because if if you're open and vulnerable with people in your life, it gives them a safer place to then be open and vulnerable too.
0: Mm-hmm. And- I was gonna say, and to also, um- know that you don't need to fix the other person's issue yeah Mm -hmm. because I think that's a huge part too where people their own feeling they become uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. other people's vulnerabilities so they think how do I how do I fix this what do I need to do to fix this like let me tell you all these things you need to but honestly sometimes just being with them and present is all that's really needed
1: yeah just listening and being like that that's hard Mm mm-hmm or I would feel the same way. Or like you're right. That w- you just had a really like bad day today. Um, most of the time, like that's really what people are actually wanting for and needing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah huh? uh,
0: just to be validated. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And and again, that's that's hard if you yourself have never felt validated. Mm-hmm. My dad, my mm-hmm. mama Yes, it feels yeah. it good, huh? When people talk about their feelings.
0: And validation, doesn't and it? Lauren? validation. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, a little like, a little random musing, like, I my
0: a random yeah. musing. Mm-hmm.
1: My, my daughter, she just turned 16 months old, right? And mm-hmm. she's definitely starting to understand every single thing that we say. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But she's also 16 months old. So her emotions are all over the place (laughs) trying to figure them out and discovering them and when she's having a moment if i'm like okay let's let's take a second like let's talk right and i sort of label i'm like you know are you sad right or did that make you frustrated did that make you disappointed and she calms not calms down right that's it's not like magic but you can tell that she like takes a pause and it's kind of like yeah right like yeah that's how I feel right like yeah that's what's going on right so like you understand a little bit
0: Mm um that makes it oh my gosh so you literally just sparked a memory in my brain that I've seen people do at is especially with kids and so like because you as a mom now are experiencing this when the baby cries or when, when she falls down you don't go,
2: you're fine. Don't cry.
0: You're fine. Yeah. Don't cry. Don't cry. Mm-hmm. Or like, stop crying. What are you crying about? You validate that experience, right? Mm-hmm. Because when we tell somebody, don't cry, it's stigma, we're saying you can't feel your emotions. It's not okay. Yeah. You should not be crying. Yeah. And so I see that a lot with kids where people will, you know, they, something will happen that they perceive as something very minor because they are an adult and they can manage their emotions better than a child can, but a child cannot. hmm. And so when they're crying, it's like, you just say, oh my gosh, like, are you sad? Like, did that, you know, are you sad right now? Like, it's okay to cry. Like, you can cry.
1: Yeah. Or like when that scared you, right? Yeah. That hurt. Yeah. It's okay that yeah. that it hurt you, right? That's, that really, that happened to you.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that validation, right? Even at 16 months, like, you know, how old she is right now,
1: mm-hmm. it's
0: important to even give them that.
1: Yeah. When Same- you see so many of your own right emotional emotional stigmas that have just been like ingrained in society mm-hmm. come up and yeah parenting is like the mm-hmm. ultimate like look at yourself right like- yeah. <laughs> and then it's like
0: when I think about it too like it's just like it's just like a lot more things are popping in my brain about mm-hmm. the crying part when even when people are like in relationships and things end right
2: Mm-hmm.
0: if like your seven-year-old came home crying and saying my friend doesn't want to be my friend anymore you want to be like oh get over it like you'll have more friends you'll probably be like that's so sad that's your friend like i'm i can understand why you're crying yeah
2: But you know, when
0: you have an adult friend who's crying over the relationship you you want to be like oh what are you crying over that for like get over it yeah. like just move on yeah like, you know then it's almost like well i shouldn't feel sad about this mm-hmm.
1: so and this is uncomfortable and- and then that leads to the secrecy, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm just not going to tell anybody I feel sad. I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep it to myself, right? Because it's not okay that I feel this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, do you need some water?
0: Oh, I thought uh, she was sneezing. I was like, is she sneezing? Oh,
1: no. She's like, <laughs> she's learned how to um, not real
0: cough. Uh, she's in that. Okay. She's got yeah. that down. Um, My niece and nephew do that a lot. The like yeah. fake cough. <laughs> hmm
1: Yeah, but it is. And then too, like, oh my gosh, it'll have to be a whole nother discussion when just talking about how we we sort of accidentally place these stigmas on kids when they're very, very, very small.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um yeah, it's a whole thing. But yeah, yeah, ultimately, it's okay that you have feelings. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be upset, right? All these things are fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Let your
1: friends know they're fine. Let your siblings know that it's okay. Just
0: be a little bit more compassionate with everybody.
1: Yeah, just
0: kill them with kindness.
1: Kill them with kindness. And if if nothing else, just sit and listen.
0: You know what I always hear too is like, I have I don't have words to say, but I'm here to listen.
1: Yeah, that's so nice. Like yes. you saying that, like really warmed to my heart. <laughs> like a nice little phrase
0: i just think about it sometimes because mm-hmm. oftentimes we don't have the right words to say to somebody mm-hmm. but what we can't say is just that yeah and so
1: yeah and just be a listening ear that again just yeah that just reflects the feelings huh because mm-hmm. i think that would go a long way in you know changing the stigma Society, like for society, that's going to take a long time and a lot of effort. But oh, yeah, you know, for the individuals in your life and like your circle and your people, you can really create a lot of change, you know, in your immediate vicinity by modeling those things and like being a person that's open and okay with people telling you how they feel, not becoming like a doormat where people drop their crap on you all the time, but you know, just being like you said compassionate and kind and Mm -hmm. as non-judgmental as you can be because guarantee every single person has been sad and cried every single person has been angry about something or overwhelmed by life or you know Mm -hmm. like nobody is perfect Mm -hmm. everyone has those emotions like just normalizing
2: yeah
0: exactly just normalizing little one You're right.
1: (laughs) She shook her head. Yes.
0: I love she's more talkative this time than before. And I like love her interactions because it's just like, I almost feel like she's just like, yeah, agreeing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. She's adding her, her little opinion and two cents in, huh?
0: Yeah. So I think that's about it for, for today's episode. Is there any last minute things or anything you can think of?
1: I don't, I don't think so. Just you know, be kind, care about others.
0: Really, mm-hmm. yeah. So it comes down to that's what I was gonna say too. Just be kind. Be yeah. a little bit more kinder.
1: Yeah, like oh. if you normally are very dismissive, right? Of maybe your partner comes home and has a bad day, or your kid comes home and has a bad day. Like you know, just listen for three minutes right and maybe Mm -hmm. see like how their reaction is different or something like that and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know little little changes add up to like big change over time yes yeah
0: Mm -hmm. it's like a pebble in a pond a ripple Mm -hmm. does causes change Mm
1: -hmm.
2: yeah
0: well i think that's about it for today Mm -hmm. cool is is the little one gonna say bye (laughs) i wonder if she'll say bye i'm curious
1: Sweetface, face. Do you want to say bye-bye? Yeah. Oh, she's eating a pear currently. Oh, <laughs> okay. you say bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Oh, she waved. She waved. Yeah. <laughs> she waved and smiled. That's more than enough. Cause usually she gives me the stink eye at the beginning and she's like, who's this? <laughs> yeah. so I'll take the little, I'll take the little smile and the wave. <laughs> yeah. 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 She agrees. <laughs> well, all right, Michelle, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, we'll talk to you next week.
0: Talk to you next week.
1: Yeah. Bye. Bye.